0: You give, ooh, you, give a, you give a man a microphone and he doesn't stop. How's everybody this morning? How's everybody back there in the sun? <laughs> awesome. Woo! Anyway, it's good to be here. I, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to this moment here, but I'm really looking forward to the time we get to spend in the river baptizing people today. We got a whole bunch of people. I just want to say that if you uh, if you missed the class last uh, Sunday, you can uh, you can go to the baptism class. There's a sign over there. Right after we're done with the service, go over there. Pastor Ron's going to uh, do a teaching about what baptism's all about. Make sure everybody's on the same page before we go down to the river. If you're here today and you're like, oh, I'd like to be baptized, uh, we would love to baptize you. Uh, I'll dunk you. I'll hold you under extra long. If you're real sinful, we'll, it'll, we'll wash you clean. All right. But... Uh, but maybe today you're just like, oh, I'd like to do that. I've never done that. Um, then we want we want to take you down there and and we want to do this with you. Um, I'd, I'd also like to say people people often ask. I have this is even part of my message. People often ask about baptism. Uh, do you, if you've been sprinkled as a baby, do you need to be baptized? Do you need to be you know dunked by Pastor Ross and. Uh, and that is totally up to you. Now, the example that we see in the Bible is that Jesus was baptized fully submerged. But but we're not gonna we're not gonna get into an argument here about whether or not your your when you were sprinkled as a baby was okay or not. Um, that's a conversation we can have together. So if you have those questions, you, you can get them answered at the baptism class. Um, and if you'd like to talk to me about it, I'm everywhere. And so, uh, so just come find me. We'll talk about it after the service. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm excited about today. Um, I was talking with a couple last Sunday at church, and, and we, were, we were talking about today, and they said, did you know that last year at Church in the Park, that was the first service we ever attended? And I was like, really? They said, yeah, we were just on a family walk through the park, and we saw the service, so we came in, we sat down, and now they're part of our church family. Isn't that cool? So, If you are here for the first time, if, is, if this is the first time you've ever uh, been to a service at Res Life, this is not what it's like every week. It's similar, but we don't sit on the grass, and, uh, but, but we'd love to invite you to be part of our church family because we do have an awesome church family. That's what we're doing here today. We're just spending time as a family with our Father God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, So anyway, we're going to get into it today. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, So why don't we bow our heads, let's pray, and just get ready for, uh, for what God has for us. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for each and every person that's here. God, I thank you that we get to spend time out in, in this place, Lord, enjoying the creation that you've put together. God, thank you for a great day. And God, we thank you for all the people who are, who are making the declaration of their faith as they get baptized today. God, and we just pray that this is an awesome time that we get to spend in your presence. Lord, give us, give us ears that hear, hearts that understand, and give us minds that desire to live like you and to live for you, God. And let the words that I share not be my own, but be the words that you need me to share for people today in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. So, today I want to talk about why people are getting baptized. And maybe you already have this idea in your mind or whatever, but but really, I want to talk about what this all means. And maybe at the end of today, you'll realize that you want to get baptized too. I don't know. We'll see. But... uh, The people that are getting baptized today, they're doing this because they have decided to make Jesus Lord of their life. They've decided that they're going to be part of of the family of God, and they're going to let their life be used by God. So this is something to get excited about. Amen? Amen. So uh, if you've never done that, you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service to do that today. But, uh, but baptism is kind of symbolic of a transformation that happens on the inside of you. I've heard it said that it's an outward expression of an inward change. I've heard it said that we're buried with Christ, That, bar- you know, buried with Christ, buried to this life. Uh, when we go under the water, when we come out of the water, we, we kind of are living this new life that God has for us. And and all of that's good, but it's kind of weird to think about, uh, about your life before Christ as being dead, isn't it? Like, like we're dead? What do you mean? I'm not dead, I'm alive. But, but this is the concept that we read about in the Bible. This is the explanation that we get about our life before Jesus, is that even though we live, we're not really living, we're not really alive. And uh, I don't have to... Um, I don't have to say it in my own words. Actually, the Apostle Paul wrote this great explanation of it. And so I want to just take a minute to, uh, to read what Paul said about this. So it's in Ephesians 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, As for you, you were dead. Everybody say dead. So the Bible says that you were dead. Okay, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions or in your actions, the things that you did that were against the Lord. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world um, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So when you were living before Christ, you were actually dead because you were living for the devil. You were living for the world. Uh, verse 3, it says, all of us also, so he's talking about all the believers at that point, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cra- cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Everybody say wrath. So in, in essence, I guess an example or whatever, you, your punishment for your sins was attached to you. Because you had sinned, or because these people had sinned, because you sinned or lived in sin before you knew Jesus, the punishment of those sins was attached to your life. So uh, I'll use a great example. On Monday, I was at the Krispy Kreme store. How many people love that store? I wasn't there for myself, even though I ate donuts. Uh, Our kid's birthday was on Monday, and so we went down to the Krispy Kreme store. Have have you ever been there? Raise your hands if you've ever been there. Okay, if you haven't been there, you're missing out. Like, don't eat dinner and go to the Krispy, Krispy Kreme store and eat donuts. And, uh, but anyway, you can go in there, and you can look through the glass, and you can see all the donuts being made. And they've got all these cool conveyor belts that do all this stuff. And, and so anyway, uh, we're there, and we're watching the donuts be made, and one of the kids notices that, that the donuts, they go through this conveyor belt, and then they, they land in the oil where they get cooked. Yes, donuts are not good for you. Um, And they they float down this thing, and then they get flipped over, and they float again, and and they cook on both sides, and then they go through the glazed waterfall of goodness, and then they go around, where they, then they, they package them. So anyway, so we notice that uh, there's this donut that has gotten caught under one of the bars that pushes it through, through the, the oil, and it's getting just mangled. I mean, it's, it's, looking, it's looking all deformed and weird, and, and things aren't going right, and it goes. And when it tries to flip it, it just, like, flips it right into the bad position again, and it goes down in the kitchen. are like, Dad, what's going to happen to that bad donut? It's like, let's just wait and see, kids. And so we watch this donut go around, and it goes, and then, it, then finally gets to the end, and I'm thinking the bar is going to, like, crush it before it gets onto the conveyor belt to go to the waterfall glaze of goodness, and uh, or glaze waterfall of goodness. But it doesn't. It gets onto the track, and it goes up, and they're like, Dad, it's going to get the frosting on it. I was like, I know, I know. I was like, now, kids, would you eat that donut? And they're like, we would eat that donut. <laughs> I said, let's see what they do with it. And one of the workers goes over, and he grabs that bad donut, and he throws it in the, no, in the bucket of bad donuts, okay? <laughs> Not in the trash, in the, bu- the bucket of bad donuts. I think he probably takes them home and eats them later. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, so I was thinking about this donut and thinking about, well, this donut didn't do anything wrong. This donut was just minding its own business floating down a river of oil, right? It wasn't the donut's fault that it got caught underneath the edge. It's just the way it was. It's the way it was created, right? It just had these flaws that were part of its uh, creation. And, it, and so in the eyes of the donut holder, um, its punishment was attached to it because nobody's going to want to buy. Lots of people would want to consume, but nobody wants to buy this donut that has these flaws, that has these issues, that's been messed up, and um, so let me ask you a few questions. One, was it still a donut? Yes. Mm. Did it still look like a donut? Yeah, eh, yeah. There's lots of weird-looking donuts out there, but yes, it looked like a donut. Would it still be delicious? Oh yes. Oh, yes. Would you eat it? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, Those of us on diet say no, but we're liars. And uh, so why did it get thrown away? It got thrown away because it had flaws. Because to the eyes of the donut maker, it had flaws that made it so that it was no longer valuable. You see, we all have flaws. We all have issues. We all have been caught under the rod in the oil river of life. And it's messed us up. And it's caused, like, Deformations in our bodies or in our lives or in our spirit or in, in our soul. And you might say that the things that people have done that have been sinful or have been wrong are worthy of them being thrown in the trash or in the undesirable donut bucket. But see, value is a funny thing. See, God changed all of that because even though we had those, de- those, those problems in our lives, those flaws, those things that were attached to us that, that really should have caused destruction or being thrown away, if you will, he saw value. Everybody say value. value. You see, value is a funny thing. It, it would make sense that our sins would make us less valuable to God. It would make sense that he would see us and say, they didn't live my way. They didn't choose me from the beginning. They didn't make the right choices, and so they can't be used by me. But, everybody say, "But." but. But unlike the donut, God saw through your deformities and through your glazed outer coating, and he saw value in you. And he thought you mattered enough to make a sacrifice so that you could not have to pay the price for your deformities, for your sins, for the things that you've done. Let's read about it. Ephesians 2 verse 4. This is the continuation. It starts with the word but. Everybody say but. but. I mean, you know, every time you're reading something and there's a, the word but at the beginning of a sentence, it's a turnaround, right? Yeah. So the scriptures we read before talked about how we're all condemned because of our previous life. And then it says but. Everybody say but. but. If you remember the word but today, that's all you need to remember. Remember. It says this in verse 4 But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our actions, in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so the donut maker saw you and saw value and said, I can redeem this. And he did. But I love that it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. He explains further. In verse 6, it says, and God raised us up. Everybody take your right hand and go, you raised me up. Like this, Okay. God raised us up, right? It says he raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So God doesn't only say, hey, I'm going to make you good enough. He says, I'm going to make you so great that I'm going to raise you up and seat you right there next to Jesus. You matter that much to me. You're that valuable to me that that I'm going to put you at the highest place. You matter that much to God. In verse 7, it says, In order that in the coming ages, so he raises us up in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace express, expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. I mentioned this in a few services last week, but not to all. People, people often feel that because of their sins, God is repelled by them. But Jesus was called the Savior, right? Everybody say Savior. You're not a savior unless there's something worth saving, right? Jesus isn't repelled by the things that you've done in your life. He's attracted to you because of the things you've done in your life. If you don't have anything worth saving, then Jesus doesn't need to come around you. But we all need saving, right? We all have things in our life that we, need, that, that we need God to redeem, that we need to be saved from. And so Jesus is attracted to you if you have a lot of baggage. How many people have a lot of baggage? Don't raise your hands. Put your hand down. No, no, no. It's okay. You could have raised them. But Jesus is attracted to you because you, you have these things. He doesn't see you as less valuable. He looks at you and goes, oh, my child, I just want to fix all those places where you got smushed down by the rod. I want to I reshape you into exactly what you're supposed to be. But we have to say that we're willing to have him do that, right? He wants to raise us up. He wants to redeem us. He wants to save us. I love that verse 7. I already read it. It says, In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. The incomparable riches. Everybody say incomparable. What a statement. What a statement that, that it says in his word that it's not just, he doesn't just have grace. You know, there's that song, Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Like, it's not just enough. It's incomparable. It's incomparable. There's nothing that His grace can't cover up, that He can't can't reshape in your life. You see, for for many of us, even believers, we struggle with the thought that God could really overlook our sins. There are many of you here today. There's probably 600 of us here today, or 500. I don't know what there is of of us today. But there's probably... Probably a majority percentage of us in here today that even as believers, we still in our mind wonder if God could really forgive us for the things that we've done. You're still sitting there going, yeah, I don't know. And I'm sitting here saying it to you. I'm reading that his grace is incomparable. That means there is no comparison to how much grace he has for you. And we still question ourselves. We still think about our sins and think about the things that we've done yesterday or maybe this morning or last week and we go can God really do that? The answer is yes, he really can do that. But only he can do it. There is nothing that compares to his grace. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot fix it. A lot of people want to fix themselves. They say, well, when I get myself figured out, then I'll go to church. When I get myself figured out, then I'll, I'll get involved in, in trying to minister to other people. When I get myself figured out, then I'll actually uh, be good enough for God to love me. You cannot do it on yourself. Say, I can't. I can. You cannot do it yourself. It's not something you earn. It's not something you achieve. His grace is not something that you can do on your own. And, and guess what? The very next verse in Paul's explanation says that to us. In Ephesians 2.8, 8, it says this. For it is by grace, everybody say grace. Grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. You cannot do it on your own. You are not not good enough to do it on your own. Only God is good enough to do it. It says it "It is the gift of God, and then verse 9, not by works so that no one can boast. Also known as your redemption cannot come from yourself. It can only come from God. Only God can do it through the Savior Jesus. Amen? Amen. So the baptisms today, they're symbolic of this. They're symbolic of the fact that, that we can't do it. That only God can do it. That, that we need to live a different life, but not just because we did it, but because God can do it in us. Because God can change it through us. Like they, because, because of God. So the baptisms today, they're symbolic of that, of us dying to the things of the world and being raised to live for God, to live the way that God uh, designed us to live. How many know that God created us for a purpose, right? He created you for a purpose. You matter to Him. There's reasons why, why you matter. So the thing is, God wants to see you as His son or His daughter, as a part of His family. He wants to raise you up. Everybody, right hand. You raise me up. Everybody, you raise me. He wants to raise you up. When it says that he wants to seat you by Jesus, he wants to bring you home. Jesus is home. He wants you to be part of his family. He wants you to be in his home. He wants you to be part of every day of your life. He's given you access to his house. Last year, I taught on baptism here and the three things that happened to Jesus when he was baptized. Do you remember the three things that happened? He, said, he looks down, he says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Today as we baptize people, God is looking at you and he's saying, this is my son, this is my daughter, and I'm pleased with them. It says that the heavens opened, so Jesus was given access to the house of God. Today, if you're getting baptized, God is giving you access to his house. You're part of his family. You can go to his fridge when you want something. And the last thing that happens to Jesus is it says the Holy Spirit came down on him, descended on him like a dove. God wants to empower you to live the life that he created you for. He's reshaping you, or he has reshaped you through salvation, and now he wants to empower you to go out and make a difference for his kingdom. He wants to empower you to live the life that he created you for. He wants to empower you to fulfill your destiny. How many want to fulfill their destiny that God created for them? Amen? But why? Why would God save us? Why? He, he didn't have to do this. Why, why would he do this? Well, it's in the last verse that Paul wrote. Ephesians 10 or, or 2.10. It says this. It says, For we are God's handiwork. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in what? Advance for us to do. Everybody say in advance. See, God knew you before you knew you. You mattered to him before you mattered to you. He knows you better than you know you. He's got greater desires than you have for you. He did this because he knew in the beginning he created you special, important. A child, a son, or a daughter of his who matters. You matter. God loves you and he wants to see the best things happen in your life. The things that he prepared for you. So today, if you're getting baptized, this is you getting up out of the water going, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Everybody say, I am a child of God. Why don't we bow our heads real quick? Father, we thank you that you know each one of our hearts, that you know each, each area of our lives where we struggle, you know each part of our life where we, we have victories, God, you know our insecurities. And God, you know where our self-esteem lies. You know our deformities, God. And I thank you that your grace is incomparable, God, that when you look down at us and you see the deformities in our life, you go, those aren't permanent. Those aren't condemning. That's not the end. I can reshape you. I can rebuild you. And I can help you to fulfill the destiny that you have. God, I thank you that that is the mindset, that is the heart that you have for each one of us. And so, God, today I pray that each one of us would grab on to that truth about our life, that we have a destiny, that we have a purpose, that we matter, and that you love us. And, God, I pray today as we baptize people that it is a celebration of epic proportions here and in heaven as people are raised to life through your incomparable grace. With everybody's eyes closed here today, if you're here and you're one of those people who knows you've got deformities in your life, you've got areas of your life where you struggle, where you don't feel good enough, where you feel like God might look at you and go, oh, there's a problem there. If that's you and you're in that situation, I want you to know today that Jesus is being drawn to you. The Savior sees you, He loves you, and He wants to redeem you, reshape you, reform you, and move you towards the destiny that God has for your life. But today all it takes is you making a choice to say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Jesus came, He He died on the cross, defeated the grave so that you don't have to go to the grave. He paid that price for you already. And He wants to see you redeemed. And so you have to make a choice today. If you'll make Jesus Lord, you can be redeemed. And you can begin living the life that He has for you. And it's a process. It takes time. But immediately, in your soul, in your heart, you are redeemed and you are made whole today. If that's you, if everybody's eyes goes, you want to make Jesus Lord, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody that knows they want to make this change in their life today? Awesome. Awesome, I see hands all over the place. Awesome. We're going to pray a prayer today, and this is, this is what the Bible t- says. It says this process is twofold. The first part is that you believe what we're talking about today, that Jesus did what he said he did, what the Bible talks about, that he is the Savior. And the second is that the way you live your life from now on speaks out that you are a child of God the way you you talk, the way you walk, your actions at at work, at home, all of those places, that what comes out of you is the love of God. And you can do this today. You can begin this today. So we're going to say a prayer, and we're going to invite Jesus into into our lives today. We're going to say it together as a family, but if you're saying it today, personally, this is you declaring that Jesus is Lord of your life and beginning this life with Him. So let's pray together. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your incomparable grace. Thank you that you sent Jesus to pay the price for me when he died on the cross, to take the grave for me when he defeated the grave, and to give new life to me when he was raised again. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. Today I choose to live for Him, to live the destiny that He created for me. Speak to me, lead me, and guide me as I follow You for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Why don't we stand up? We're going to sing one more.